Hi, I'm Ellie. And I'm Ben. And this is Concerning Tolkien. Your favorite token podcast. Ever. John Ronald Rule Tolkien was born on January 3rd, 1892 in Bloemfontein in the Orange Free State, which became the Republic of South Africa. His father was Arthur Rule Tolkien and his mother Mabel Tolkien. The couple had left England when Arthur was promoted to the head of the Bloemfontein office of the British bank for which he worked. Token had one sibling, his younger brother, Hilary Arthur Ruel Token, who was born on the 17th of February, 1894. When Tolkien was three years old, he went to England with his mother and brother on what was intended to be a lengthy family visit. His father, however, died in South Africa of rheumatic fever before he could join them. This left the family without an income, so Tolkien's mother took him and his brother to live with her parents in Kings Heath, Birmingham. Soon after, in 1896, they moved to Sarehole, now in Hall Green, then a Worcestershire village, later annexed to Birmingham. He enjoyed exploring Sarehole Mill and Mosley Bog and the Clent, Lickey, and Malvern Hills, which would later inspire scenes in his books, along with nearby towns and villages such as Bromsgrove, Alster, and Alfchurch and places such as his Aunt Jane's farm, Bag End, the name of which he later used in his fiction. Mabel Token taught her two children at home. Ronald, as he was known in the family, was a keen pupil. She taught him a great deal of botany and awakened in him the enjoyment of the look and feel of plants. Young Token liked to draw landscapes and trees, but his favorite lessons were those concerning languages, and his mother taught him the rudiments of Latin very early. Token could read by the age of four and could write fluently soon after. His mother allowed him to read many books. He disliked Treasure Island and The Pied Piper and thought Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll was amusing but disturbing. In 1904, when J.R.R. Tolkien was 12... His mother died of acute diabetes at Fern Cottage in Rednall, which she was renting. She was then about 34 years of age. Before her death, Mabel Token had assigned the guardianship of her sons to her close friend, Father Francis Xavier Morgan, who was assigned to bring up both of her children as good Catholics. Tolkien began studying at Exeter College at Oxford University. He initially read classics, but changed his course in 1913 to English Language and Literature, graduating in 1915 with first-class honors. At the age of 16, Token met Edith Mary Bratt, who was three years his senior, when he and his brother Hilary moved into the boarding house where she lived on Duchess Road. According to Humphrey Carpenter, Edith and Ronald took to frequenting Birmingham tea shops, especially one which had a balcony overlooking the pavement. There they would sit and throw sugar lumps into the hats of passers-by moving on to the next table when the sugar bowl was empty. With two people of their personalities and their position, romance was bound to flourish. Both were orphans in need of affection, and then they found and they found that they could give it to each other. Father Morgan prohibited him from meeting with Edith, talking to or even corresponding with her until he was 21. Tolkien obeyed this prohibition to the letter. On the evening of his 21st birthday, Tolkien wrote Edith who was living with a family friend, C.H. Jessup, at Cheltenham, 
He declared that he had never ceased to love her, and he asked her to marry him. Edith replied that she had already accepted the proposal of George Field, the brother of one of her closest school friends, but Edith said she had agreed to marry Field only because she felt, quote, left on the shelf and begun to doubt that Token still cared for her. She explained that because of Token's letter, everything had changed. On January 8th, 1913, my birthday, coincidentally, Tolkien traveled by train to Cheltenham and was met on the platform by Edith. The two took a walk into the countryside, sat under a railway viaduct, and talked. By the end of the day, Edith had agreed to accept Tolkien's proposal. Edith Brandt and Ronald Token were formally engaged in Birmingham in January of 1913 and were married at St. Mary Immaculate Catholic Church at Warwick on the 22nd of March, 1916. In August of 1914, Britain entered the First World War. Tolkien deferred his enlistment until he had finished his degree at Oxford. He was commissioned as a temporary second lieutenant in the Lancashire Fusiliers on the 15th of July in 1915. Token, like millions of men and boys his age, had become familiar with the terrors of the trenches of the First World War. Token himself served in the Battle of the Somme and later contracted trench fever. He was invalided to England on the 8th of November, 1916. Token notes that nearly all of his friends had been killed by this time. A weak and emaciated Tolkien spent the remainder of the war alternating between hospitals and garrison duties, being deemed unfit to return to general service. During his recovery in a cottage in Little Hayward, Staffordshire, he began to work on what he called the Book of Lost Tales, beginning with the fall of Gondolin. The Book of Lost Tales represented Tolkien's attempts to create a mythology for England. On the 3rd of November, 1920, Token was demobilized and left the army, retaining his rank of lieutenant. His first civilian job after World War I was at the Oxford English Dictionary, where he worked mainly on the history and etymology of the Germanic origin of beginning with the letter W. He proceeded with a successful academic career as a scholar of Anglo-Saxon languages and literature, becoming a professor at Oxford for many years. It was during this time that he wrote and published The Hobbit, which became an international bestseller in wild success, and then later its sequel, The Lord of the Rings, all while working on the mythology of Arda that would later become the Silmarillion. Edith and J.R.R. Tolkien had four children. John Francis Rule Tolkien, Michael Hillary Rule Tolkien, Christopher John Rule Tolkien, and Priscilla Mary Ann Rule Tolkien. Tolkien was devoted to his children, sending them illustrated letters from Father Christmas every year when they were young. It was actually for his children that he initially wrote The Hobbit. Tolkien would pass away before completion of his legendarium, in 1973, at the age of 81. His wife Edith had predeceased him, and he had inscribed on her tombstone the name Luthien, and he had his own tombstone inscribed with Beren. All right, now that we've got the education about Tolkien's biography and early life out of the way, why don't we start with how we got into Tolkien in the first place? Yeah, uh, so question is on the floor. How'd you get into Tolkien in the first place? <laughs> well, 
for me, I think I was like seven or eight when my dad first introduced me to the films. So I was first introduced to the world of Middle Earth and Tolkien through Peter Jackson's trilogy of the films. And then literally devoured any Tolkien writing that I could get my hands on. I have a distinct memory of being like 12 years old at the library and finding the children of her in like the new release section and being so excited that there was more Tolkien to read. Yeah. Um, I luckily enough, uh, my dad has always been a huge, huge fan of Tolkien. Uh, he, when he was 17 or 18, um, one of his best friend's sisters was, um, she had read it and she knew that, um, her brother and my dad were both big readers. So she immediately brought the Lord of the Rings to them and said, like, you guys need to read this. And before they read it, they actually went to go see, um, the cartoon version, which, uh, if you guys haven't listened to it, we do a whole episode on the fever dream that is the the 1970s cartoon in the enlightened podcast form where um which you know we're part of the enlightened network here um little plug there uh, <laughs> and that's the the cartoon lord of the rings yes not the cartoon hobbit no 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 that's the cartoon lord of the rings um so that's the uh the bakshi version which oh, heavily influenced um peter jackson but yeah that was um my dad saw the cartoon first Thought it was very weird, um, but He's he liked wrong. it. But he liked it. Oh, yeah. Um, and so he, he, very soon after, he read The Lord of the Rings, and he absolutely loved it. And he pretty much has been reading it once a year, every year since then, yeah. give or take. And um, he, he is one of those, um, Christopher Lee did the same thing up until his death, but it's just once a year we sit down and try and get through token i know i know he reads it religiously um but the time i came rolling around um it was just good fodder for um little boys who like to read um so i grew up in a household that um i'm a little bit younger than you so the the movies were just always on Mm -hmm. in my house i have older brothers who also loved them so it was always um, Peter Jackson movies were always going, but, um, my first introduction probably would have been the Hobbit cartoon and then the Lord of the Rings cartoon pretty soon after that, mm-hmm. which is, um, horrifying, haunting, <laughs> and I still love it. Oh, no, I do too. It's, I have a vague memory of the, the Lord of the Rings cartoon on, like, a VHS tape, if people still know what those are. I know, it's, we're getting old. We are. Um, but it was, I was initially introduced to the theatrical releases of the Lord of the Rings films and... The what releases? The theatrical releases. What are the theatrical? The non-extended ones. We don't talk about them. They don't exist anymore. Oh, I know. It was complete sarcasm. Yeah. They don't exist. No, they're not... (laughs) There is only one form of PJX's films and and it it is is the extended edition. You sit down for an entire day and you watch all 13 hours in one go. Yes, absolutely. And then the appendices. Of course, you can't go without the appendices. That's how life works. Yeah, it's like my favorite part. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's like I watched the movies and then got into the books and devoured the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings trilogy started it on the Silmarillion before I was in any way capable of comprehending it. I was probably like 14 when I tried to read it for the first time and 
I think I skipped the Ireland delay and all of the like genesis basically of Arda and read all of the Quintus Silmarillion mm-hmm. and then the Akalabeth and the fall of Numenor. But this, the Silmarillion I think is my favorite of Tolkien's works. That's a whole other conversation. I know. In itself. Um, I, so I, I had watched um, Peter Jackson's films for years and I, I'm sure people can do the math, but I, I'm not sure what the exact age I was, but I was in second grade, I think, when I read The Hobbit, and I read The Lord of the Rings very soon after, probably around third grade, and I ate them. And it yeah, was I think just, I was in like fourth yeah. or fifth grade when I started So them. my introduction to The Silmarillion was actually that, um, since I loved Lord of the Rings so much, uh, I picked up, and The Hobbit so much, I naturally, like, next step, I picked up The Children of Hearn, <laughs> Um, fabulous book, and it's near and dear to my heart. So sad. Absolutely, but you haven't read the full Children of Yes, I have. When did you read the full? When it first came out in 2007. Yeah, okay, so I'm sorry. You haven't read it in this decade. No. (laughs) Point being, um, it's a lot for a kid to handle. So I was very kind of creeped out. There were a couple of scenes in there that were very, like, adult Greek mythology. Um... So I was kind of turned off, and I always kind of anticipated that the rest of the Silmarillion would mm-hmm. be like that. And I probably read it in two thousand seven, when it came, when, yeah. when it had just come out. I have a very clear memory of being at T ball, and all the dads kind of over in one corner, like talking and stuff like that. And then my dad sitting by himself in a lawn chair reading the Children of Hearn. Because that, that sounds like your dad. Out. Yeah. Um. So. That was my first introduction, and then the Silmarillion, I really, funnily enough, didn't really get around to it till late high school, mm-hmm. and... Well, it's the kind of thing that it's... You think it's gonna be like the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and everything, and it is so wildly different. Well, I, I was gonna say, by nature of my dad had mentioned yeah. that, like, it's a very different thing, it's much closer to Greek mythology, you might like it, you might not like it, take it as kind of chopped up stories that yeah. are all kind of put together and um i i think that that certainly is probably the best description of it yeah but it dissuaded me from from uh reading what i i should have taken the time to read because i actually i've read children of her and probably a dozen times over now um but i kind of didn't I, I like vaguely knew what happened in the zomerling but i had no idea until uh, the audiobook yeah. of Fur, the Silmarillion, just carried me away. The guy that does the narration is Robin brilliant. Is that right? No, that's the guy that's who the does Harry Lord Potter. Of the Rings. He does Lord of the Rings. Oh. Yes. Oh, you're right. It was some, some actor. I looked his name up at some yes. point, but I don't have it I, I don't remember. But he does. He has a fantastic narration voice. Yeah. So he, absolutely fabulous and does a, does a great job. And it's always, um, uh, one of my friends discovered, it was actually, um, Reggie's older brother um, helped me um, find the uh, what's gonna call it um, the audiobook of Lord of the Rings because I had grown up on the BBC radio version mm-hmm. which is kind of a, a, a radio play yeah. where they have multiple actors that come in and do mm-hmm. different voices and stuff like that so uh, naturally after I finished the Lord of the Rings audiobook audiobook like the real version um, I was kind of like, oh, well, I want something else to listen to. The Game of Thrones audiobooks are good, but I 
have gone through those a couple of times by now. So I ended up switching over and um, I listened to the Silmarillion all the way through for the first time in a couple of years since I had, I think I had started it and stopped it early in high school. Because the same thing where mm-hmm. I get I get started in the Ina and it is terrible. I don't want to say it's terrible. It's just not... It's, it is the Book of Genesis. Yes, verbatim. And that's... It's, 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 not, it's not great It's not reading. fun reading, but it is... It is my least favorite section of the Silmarillion, but I do like how we are introduced to all of the Vala. Um, the Valar are good. It's yeah. just, it's not a good story to get people into. No, it doesn't help And that's you. kind of, uh, if he started with the Feanor birth of... and the Quintus No, 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 no. You don't need to go, um, start with Feanor. That's, that's too far forward, but you can start with the birth of the elves. Yeah. And things would have made a lot more sense mm-hmm. as you slowly introduce the right. Valar. Opposed to having, you know, going through Manway... Varda, Yavanna, Mienna, all of them. And I do get how... And everyone has three different names, depending if it's Right, and they all have their different... um, Their different roles and their different powers. Which is... That part is cool. Right, and I get how he wants to mm -hmm. kind of introduce Melkor slash Morgoth right from the beginning. He kind of starts off almost like a Loki mischief maker and then expands into the big bad. Which is, um, it's definitely Lucifer-esque. Yeah. But, um, I, it's great, but it's not easy reading, Mm -hmm. is how I would describe that. Not at all. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's gonna be, um, I don't know if it is my favorite, because I love The Lord of the Rings so much. Yeah. Um, the Lord of the Rings just has the perfect amount of humor in it, mm-hmm. which I think undercuts a lot of the seriousness of yeah. a lot of the situations. Whereas I don't think this Homerlian has a joke in it. No. No, it's... I don't know what it is about it, because it is, in in essence, it is a tragedy. It is. And Absolutely. It just, it feels so much deeper and... When you realize the pinprick on the yeah. map of history that all the events yeah. of Lord of the Rings are really well, just a small thing. I can't think about it because it makes me sad, but it's the kind of thing where I'll go and I'll read all of Tolkien's works and mm-hmm. then be like, oh, I want more. And it's like, but there is no more. Well, the... But it, I do, and... The expanded yes. things that have come out, like the Children of Hurin in the Silmarillion is not the Children of Hurin. No, it's... The it's Children one... of Hurin that Christopher Token has come across oh, is amazing. the real version. It is, yeah. It's like, and it's the same thing with the Baron, Baron and Luthien and, and, and the Fall of Gondolin stories, where yeah. you have those singular chapters or a couple of chapters yeah. in the Silmarillion that then Christopher Tolkien and the Tolkien estate have been able to expand upon based on Tolkien's notes and drafts and things. Um, but it's kind of the same thing, like how the end, at the end of the, um, Return of the King film, mm-hmm. it's like that bittersweet, I want there to be more, but I know it's a finite amount and it's mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it makes me happy and sad and all of the feelings. Cause he's Amazing. the greatest writer of all time. Yes. 
I, single-handedly created the like fantasy genre, basically. More or less, yeah. I would I would say he he certainly revamped it, mm-hmm. um, and he's certainly the father of modern fantasy. That's um, probably a better way of putting it. Um, but the I'm gonna apologize just in general for any background noise that you might hear from our resident Muppet, our mascot. His Augustus name, Octavian. Yeah, uh, he's a four-legged friend who's sloppily drinking water. I think yeah. he stopped. He's talking anyway, um, but yeah, the I would say that England has produced an uncounted amount of brilliant writers, mm-hmm. authors, poets, literary geniuses. I think that three for me stand out. Um, as worthy of the crown of top tier. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes down to Shakespeare, Dickens, and Tolkien. Yeah. I think they really are in that succession of orders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there are plenty that would argue for J.K. Rowling or like a Colleen McCullough. Um, they're just not quite the same. Level. Yeah, it's and it's, it's something where I don't know if it's just how books are written today, how people talk today, where The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings were published in the 30s and the 50s. And just the way that they're written is so much more descriptive and eloquent and beautiful than a lot of, I think, contemporary literature is. And that's not to say that there isn't beautiful prose in books published today, but there's just something about the way that Tolkien writes and the way that authors of that generation wrote that is just so much better it's not even just a of their time it is like i said shakespeare lived hundreds of years ago mm-hmm. and uh what we call it and dickens lived hundreds of years ago it's this nature of the beauty of words and this with this just learned ease that they kind of use this yeah. it's not quite archaic language but it's very like this homeric lyrical mm-hmm way of writing yeah. with this uh, really acute sense of humor that Tolkien had, and certainly Dickens had, yeah. too, and obviously Shakespeare is one of the funniest people ever lived. <laughs> but it's just people really don't kind of write in the same yeah. vein. It's uh, George Martin is as close to an American version mm-hmm. of Tolkien as I think we can get. Yeah. And he is... A, a a very good writer and a very brilliant character builder and and certainly has fabulous plots and whatnot but the the quality of his prose is not one tenth that no, of token i can't i can't think of the only author that I have read recently that I think compares is Amor towels with the gentleman in Moscow I was thinking the same thing where That's his very... prose is beautiful thing one of our friends said it's like eating caviar it is and that's the way that token and these authors right and that's i think that's what separates them from the pack and that's why we're dedicating an entire podcast right and it's why there are so many other podcasts and other people who dedicate their lives and dedicate their free time to his work it's just he has lasted this long Mm -hmm. he continues to last and it's for a reason it's not out of, you know not every author gets this level of fandom no. and, uh he was even a little uncomfortable with the amount of 
fame that right. he, he achieved, especially later in his life. Though he did have to acknowledge that uh, what even the most, oh, he puts it in such a perfect way. In a letter, he says that, you know, even the most astute and humble nose cannot be uh, help but be turned by, you know, an accommodating incense. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's yeah. just the way that he has is with words, really. Um, it hooks a lot of people, and it certainly yeah. has us. And it's, you don't even have to look that far into, like, Instagram or other kind of creative spaces to find someone who has a space dedicated to Tolkien. It's like, we don't. All you got to do is type Tolkien into something and mm-hmm. the amount of art and poetry and music that has come from it. And we'll be coming up on 100 years of The Hobbit in the next 10 years or so. And we've got The Rings of Power, a TV show coming out in September. And it's just the amount of recreations and interpretations and care and love that's put into these adaptations and how much attention they're still getting even after all this time and that's i mean it's been 20 years plus since the peter jackson adaptation yeah. so it's not just basing everything on the peter jackson adaptations it's been 20 years yeah and we're still and, seeing this and we're still talking about it yeah. and it's it, it's just it's great to see uh the the hobbit series was a dud we say we're gonna pretend that doesn't exist yeah it's uh it's not one of our favorite interpretations though there are parts that are worth watching the first hour hour and a half let's not split let's not split hairs it's not good yeah but the point being is that it's yeah it's terrible (laughs) (laughs) it's not great yeah, but, like, let's not, you know, when we do an episode on it, let's just not fall down a rabbit hole of arguing about The Hobbit for 20 no. minutes. We're talking about how great Token is. And the best. And that is the aberration that And it's not even, that's not him. his fault. It's not Tolkien. Exactly. That, wasn't, that wasn't Tolkien's fault. No, not at all. Um, but I just, the the universality of yes Token's writings yeah. is just kind of, kind of key. key. And I love seeing the different interpretations Mm -hmm. i love seeing all this artwork and these new artists that come up and fall in love with lord of the rings all over again because it just generation from generation to generation it Mm -hmm. keeps getting people into it you can't deny token's input to you know Mm -hmm. when he's getting mentioned in stranger things constantly and uh his works are obviously important to D &D as the D D community grows and all these video games and mm-hmm. Warcraft and uh, Warhammer and all this stuff is like... Lord the, of the Rings Online. All of these things are very aspects that grow out of the fertile soil that Token created. Yes. Which sounds like, much more like he was producing manure than... <laughs> no, it's we have the um, the, the, the special um, fertilizer from Galadriel there that you, you gave go. to Sam. Regardless, Token's Token. He's the best. And he's there for a reason. He and is our are, Lord and Savior. Yeah, he is my God. <laughs> there are uh, dozens of token podcasts. There are millions of artists. You know, when Led Zeppelin isn't incorporating parts of Lord of the Rings into their lyrics. Yeah, that's right. Led Zeppelin. If you haven't listened to Ramble On close enough, go give it a listen. Go read the lyrics sometime. Take <laughs> And just take a wild guess. What is happening right there? Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, token's token for a reason. Yep. I don't know. I don't, I don't, 
How do you want to end this? I love that long, staring, awkward silence. No? Yeah. I I love it when it peters out instead (laughs) of goes out with a bang. Well, stay tuned. Uh, We're going to, I think the way we're going to conduct this podcast is we're literally going to go through chapter by chapter. Yeah. Book by t- book. Book by book. Um, hopefully we'll get through the entirety of the Legendarium down to, like, the Book of Lost Tales. Oh, absolutely. And... we got to do the History of Middle-Earth. Absolutely. But we'll um, we'll be starting with um, the Silmarillion. Yep. So the next episode will be Chapter 1 of the Silmarillion. Working in through the Ionoland Delay. So if you want to read along. Feel free. Yeah. You're listening to Concerning Token. We are part of the Enlightened Network. Go find our other podcast, the Enlightened Podcast. Yeah, we can be found uh, pretty much everywhere for social media. Our Twitter and our Instagram is both uh, concerning.token.pod. Yep, we're on Instagram. You can email us at concerning.token.pod at gmail.com. We are pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts apple Podcasts, spotify google podcasts all of the above so mm-hmm. go like subscribe review we are a five-star podcast and <laughs> i don't need you guys to tell me that but i really want you guys yeah. to tell me that send us emails send us questions if you have stuff you want us to talk about let us know yeah, send us a you... dm on instagram exactly we're all about the world of token and we freely chose to start a token podcast so the thing we like talking about most is kind of lord of the rings yeah Yeah. so all right thank you for listening and we'll talk to you again soon